Support for this program is provided by Chevron, the human energy company. This is Politico Energy. I'm Catherine Morehouse. The United Nations Climate Summit is only one day in, but there's already been a ton of action on two of the biggest issues facing global leaders. On a positive note, some of the world's wealthiest countries committed huge sums of money to compensate developing nations for the impacts of climate disasters. People think there is hope that this could grease the wheels of further action or deals later on in the conference. That's Sarah Schoenhart from Politico's e e News. But she's also reporting that a separate deal to end the use of fossil fuels, which are the primary drivers of climate change, is in trouble. So today, we chat with Sarah about what's going well and not so well at the kickoff of COP28. It's Friday, December 1st. So this was a pretty unprecedented agreement. The global climate talks in Dubai started on Thursday, and typically at the opening, all of the delegates agree to the agenda for the entire process. And so that happened without a fight, which was a good thing. That sets a good tone for the rest of the conference. But then shortly after, they raised this loss and damage fund, which is effectively a fund for climate-ravaged countries or countries that have suffered from climate disasters. This was an outcome of last year's climate talks, and negotiators have spent the past year coming up with a framework for that fund. And so the framework went before a vote, and it was approved. And so that framework will then be adopted. And that was really such a hopeful sign of agreement. And it was a really great way to start these talks. I think it showed that something that had been really fractious and contentious in the lead up to the talks, countries had agreed to sort of unite around this issue. In addition, after the approval, the adoption of the framework was agreed, a number of countries then put forward pledges of money to help seed the fund And it started with a pledge by the host country, the United Arab Emirates, for $100 million, which is quite a big deal. It was the first time a Gulf country had contributed an amount to a fund like this, and I think really sets a tone for other countries to put money toward the fund as well. So it sounds like we're starting off with some pretty good news, some strong progress from the start of COP. But there are some details of the fund that still need to be decided. What is left in this negotiation? Yeah, so the framework agreement lays out a lot about what the fund's going to look like, the design of it. But there are questions still about where the money will come from. Outlines of the fund talk about voluntary payments and asks developed countries to take the lead on providing financial resources. But again, those payments are voluntary. So it's a question of what countries will contribute. As I noted, the United Arab Emirates has put money in. They did so alongside Germany, which also contributed or is pledging to contribute $100 And then there were a number of other European countries and the United States put forward a pledge of $17.5 million, which is low, but the U.S. has typically not been able to get money for international climate finance and for a number of years was resistant to the idea of a fund for climate damages. So 
that's one of the big issues is where the money is going to come from and who will contribute. The name of the fund has been somewhat contentious. And so that will be left up to the board of the fund, which has yet to be formed. And then, of course, there's no real determination of how much the fund should actually be capitalized at. So island nations have called for $100 billion a year in the first four years, which is a lot more than we're seeing in these initial pledges. They sort of add up to just over $400 million. So long way to go to reach a higher amount. And it's really not clear the scale of the fund will be able to reach, but it's definitely certain that a lot more money than just a few hundred million will be needed. Okay. So it sounds like some pretty important details still need to be worked out, but countries are now shifting their attention to another issue, which is this global deal to end the use of fossil fuels. And you're reporting that this deal is in trouble. Can you explain what exactly it's calling for and why it's such a big issue? So the goal of these talks is really to get countries to rally around efforts to reduce the emissions that add to global warming and then increase temperatures, which lead to all of the sort of disasters. That's why we hold these talks. Finance is a huge part of it, but increasingly there's been attention drawn to the main driver of emissions and rising temperatures, which is the production and use of fossil fuels. So Two years ago at climate talks in Glasgow, countries did agree to language around a phase down of coal, which was an important moment because it was the first time that fossil fuels had ever appeared in a negotiation like this in an outcome document. In talks last year in Egypt, there was a push to move that pledge even further toward an agreement to phase out fossil fuels, so not just coal, but oil and gas as well. That did not make any headway. And so I think negotiators this year are coming back really hoping that they can push that pledge forward or that agreement forward. That's being led by the European Union and some small island nations, a few others known as the High Ambition Coalition. I think they really want to see that language as an outcome. Some major Fossil fuel producers or fossil fuel dependent countries are much more resistant for obvious reasons. They are pushing a agreement that would boost renewable energy. So they're talking about a tripling of renewable energy capacity um, as a way of getting at a reduction of fossil fuel use. But the language around an exit for fossil fuels is still kind of remains in question. Also, the Biden administration is proposing to remove nearly all lead pipes from the nation's drinking water system within the next decade. The announcement Thursday fulfills a campaign promise to reduce the exposure of lead, a potent neurotoxin which disproportionately harms low-income and minority communities. While environmental groups and public health advocates praise the move, it comes with a significant price tag that, in many cases, would be passed along to ratepayers. For more news on energy and the environment, subscribe to our free newsletter at politico.com slash power switch. And subscribe to Politico Pro to read our morning energy newsletter. Some of the music in today's show was composed by the mysterious Breakmaster Cylinder. Normal Malichael is the podcast producer. Kara Tabor and Alex Keeney edited the podcast this week. Our editors are Matt Daly and Gloria Gonzalez. And that's our show. 
I'm Catherine Morehouse, and we'll see you back on Monday. Today's program support is provided by Chevron. Progress means producing renewable fuels for today's fleets. Chevron intends to grow their renewable fuels production capacity to 100,000 barrels per day by 2030. That's energy in progress. Learn more at chevron.com slash renewable fuels.